Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. How's everyone doing? Guess what? It's my birthday. Yay! It really doesn't mean anything. I mean, it does. It means that 51 years ago today, I was born. So I'm 51 now. Now I'm in my 50s. I'm not just 50. Ugh. (laughs) Fun times. Um, You know what you can do for my birthday is I, as I've said in the last uh, last couple of episodes, I think, um, I want to hear your story and answer your questions. So for my birthday, (laughs) you can call in. And leave a uh, a voice message to me. These will be anonymous, by the way, you guys. Nobody is going to be identified. We do ask you to state your first name and where you live, but you can be totally vague about that. We ask for your email address, but we'll edit that out. Um, we just need it just needed it in case we need to like ask you a question about or clarifying question or something. So because I'm going to do an episode where I answer or m- multiple episodes, depending on how many people actually um feel comfortable calling in and leaving questions. So here are the instructions. So the questions need to be about divorce (laughs) or uh, deciding to stay or go. I want you to be in a quiet place when you leave your message, right? Being Be aware of the wind, hair or clothes rubbing on your microphone or background. Um, Honestly, the best place to do this in your closet, that is where I do my podcast, y'all. I do my podcast in a closet. (laughs) That's it. That's my big podcast studio. Try and keep your messages under five minutes. I suggest that you just jot down a few bullet points before you begin recording to help you stay focused. Speak slowly and clearly. And also, I think that it's important that the question be something that would be useful for everyone, right? It's not like, don't send me something like super specific to your situation because that's probably not going to be like relevant on the air. To do this, go to kateanthony.com slash questions kateanthony.com slash questions. This will be linked in the show notes. And there's a button that you push that says start recording. That's it. That's all you have to do. I think that's all I need to tell you about today. I'm going out for dinner with my mom tonight. And then on Sunday, my girlfriend is taking a whole bunch of us out for dinner for a nice, nicer celebration, which sure beats my 50th, which was on Zoom. (laughs) So... Good Lord. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. I'm still having my 50th blowout party. It may be when I'm 55 at this point, the way the pandemic is going, but I will have it. I swear I will have it. Anyway, um, I'm really excited about today's episode. Today I have with me Day Schildkret. And Day is like, oh my gosh, his work is so beautiful. He is internationally known for morning altars. Um, and if you go to his Instagram, which I think is just morning altars, you will see like, holy moly, um, beautiful, beautiful work. It, they're impermanent earth art. He d- describes it a little bit in the, in the episode, so you'll see. <laughs> Both Day and Morning Altars have been featured in BuzzFeed, Vice, Vox, Spirituality and Health Magazine, and on NBC and CBS's affiliate stations. And he is the author of Morning Altars, a seven-step practice to nourish your spirit through nature, art, and ritual. And his new book, Hello, Goodbye, 75 Rituals for Times of Loss, Celebration, and Change was published two days ago. January 25th was its uh, debut. So you can buy it now. And I'll tell you what, I or I pre-ordered a copy because this book is going to be like, you're going to be able to use it all the time, all the time for any any kind of loss, celebration, or change. We are always in some kind of loss, celebration, or change in our lives. And 
Day describes this book as a recipe book. So you can just go in and choose um, a, a ritual to create. Um, anyway, I'm going to let I'm going to shut up and let Day talk to us about his book and the importance of ritual in our lives. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Day Shulkret. Day, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your new book and rituals. Mm, yeah, rituals. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited for this conversation. So, well, let's just first let's first talk about um your book. Okay. This is a this is your hello goodbye. <laughs> it's rituals for times of loss, celebration and change, and I just yeah. don't think that there could be anything more appropriate for my audience right now. It is to be honest, it's completely shocking that this book wasn't written before. Huh. It really is. I did yeah. a lot of research trying to find this book and because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't necessarily want to write it. I wanted it to exist. It didn't exist. So right. I said, I have to. Write <laughs> <No. this book." laughs> right. It's that's awesome. how we, that's how all books are written. We're like, God damn it. Not me. <laughs> yeah. And right. especially, especially now, Yeah. you know, people are in such pain right now Yeah. and they need more resources and so this book is really, a, you know, in, in real, in reality, it's a resource book. Mm. So it's really a book, just like I keep on calling this book, a ritual recipe book. You know, it's like a cookbook oh, yeah. shelf. And when you, when something is changing in your life, mm. for instance, like your, you or your friend is going through a divorce, mm -hmm. take this book off the shelf, flip to the divorce chapter. <sighs> So and good. there's, you know, I wrote quite a bit. I interviewed, I interviewed over 200 people for this book. Mm. And then there's in the divorce chapter, there's two rituals, one for the, the ex couple, if you can do that. Yeah. And oh, so one, good. And one for the solo mm -hmm. for the individual. Yeah. And, um, you know, I see this book really as should be, you know, dog eared and, it should be bent and it should have many handprints on it. And I just, you really want this book to get around because when there is change, when mm -hmm. there's transition in your life, you need to be resourced, reoriented, supported, witnessed mm. so that you can mark that moment and change with the moment. Yeah. And that's what these moments are asking from us. We have to change with change. So say, say more about that. What is that? What is that? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Why is that important? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say first and foremost, the big question and specifically for your audience talking mm -hmm. about divorce, mm -hmm. you know, is really the question is what does it mean to participate in ending something? Yeah. What does that mean to fully put it down and what does it take even more so to do it skillfully? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to put something down skillfully? And so, you know, really a conversation on divorce is a conversation on is, is on endings. Yeah. And because the book is called Hello, Goodbye, it's also a conversation on beginnings. Absolutely. They Absolutely. Door. And you're not just saying goodbye to a person, to the other person. You're saying goodbye to identity an identity, a way of being, uh, in many cases, a, a, a career, right? If, if there's been, if you've been a stay-at-home mom or, you know, all of those things, right? But you're, I mean, yeah, there's a yes, lot of change. There's a lot of change. And then also you're, but you're really saying goodbye to the way that you have been, what you have tolerated, what you have said yes to, what you've said no to, all exactly. of those things. Exactly. Right. And yeah. there's a, there is a part of yourself that you are releasing. And, and so to be completely honest, this doorway that I'm talking about, that I'm centering yeah. in this book, I mean, uh -huh. whether it's a divorce or the loss of your pet uh -huh. or, you know, uh, weaning a baby or whatever it is, these mm -hmm. moments of endings and beginnings, mm -hmm. um, they need more from us. Mm -hmm. They need more than just going through it. Yeah. And approaching that doorway it's fucking scary because it's it's really approaching uncertainty. 
Yes. Because the person that you were pre, like in, before mm-hmm. you walk through the doorway or the, I call it in the book thresholds. Okay. Before yeah. Before the sense. threshold, uh-huh. while you're in your marriage or in your family or in the relationship or whatever it is, you know what it is. That's right. You know who you are. You know what the relation with all of the challenge and the grief and the grievances in the relationship, you know, at least what you're operating within. Right. right? That's right. But as you approach that doorway, the, the, the scariest part is that you don't know who you will be on the other side of it. That's right. You don't know what relationships you'll be in on the other side of it. You don't know what will survive on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of us don't cross. That's right. It's fucking terrifying. It's fucking vocal. terrifying. That's right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's, you know, that's my job. Like, this is what I do is that I usher women in particular, <clears throat> some men over the threshold. Yeah. Right. I hold their hand and I walk them over the threshold and make the decisions and craft the conversations and, you know, and deal with the overwhelm and the upset and the unknowing and all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um. But I love how I love how you're sort of the the ritual aspect, right? Of so what? So let's talk about that, right? Okay. Like what what is a what is a ritual? Period. And like what okay. is what is we'll, ritual? We'll step away from the conversation on divorce for just a second yes. and just talk about Absolutely. ritual. I mean, yeah. I, as I said, I interviewed two hundred people for the book, and that, and in every interview, I asked that question. I okay. said, "How do you define ritual?" Uh huh. Because it's such a broadly based, I mean, it's so many, def- I, I had over 200 definitions. Oh, wow. Interesting. And none of them are the same. And each one of them was poetic and potent and beautiful and important. Mm-hmm. And so to me, how I see ritual is a midwife through change. Mm-hmm. They, they help us move through things that are changing with grace with ease, with beauty, and and oftentimes with witness. Mm-hmm. We need witnesses for endings as much as we do for beginnings. When we're at the end of something, we need someone to look us in the eye, hold our hand and say, this is happening. Mm-hmm. I, have, I got you. Right. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Like right. to actually say like, this is really happening because the thing about not ritualizing these moments is we often cross through a threshold, but we still think we're on the other side of it. We Ooh, still say think it. we're on the side. For instance, here's a great example. Mm-hmm. When I, I wrote a chapter in the book on retirement. Okay. Right. I interviewed a woman in that chapter and she said she, she didn't do any ritual when she retired. Okay. But, she, but for a year after she retired, she kept on waking up at at 5:30 in the morning. Yes. Panicked. Yes. Because she her psyche thought she was still working. Mhm. Mhm. So she was not fully on the other side. There was some part of her that was still very much planted in the other reality. Yeah. Ritual helps <clears throat> us acknowledge this is happening, this is changing. And the key word for ritual in especially in the book is distinctions. Mm. They help us say, this was then, this is now. I love that. And I think one of the things that I watch people, and I and I did it myself um, through my divorce many, many years ago, and I watch people make this mistake, similar to the, the, the 5 a.m. wake up, right? Is that we actually don't, we divorce legally, we divorce um, financially, we divorce physically, yeah. but we forget to divorce emotionally. Yes. And so we're actually playing out the exact same relationship dynamics, sometimes decades after yeah. the divorce. And then like, what's the point? Yeah. Oh, right? I mean, I, ha- I have a story from like two weeks ago. My best friend, I facilitated their wedding 12 mm. years ago. I was mm-hmm. the officiant at their wedding and Six years after their wedding, I was I was the witness watch observing both of them getting divorced, essentially. Mm, mm-hmm. And I went through that process of helping them fuse and helping them unfuse. Unfuse. Yes. And two weeks ago, he said to me, he said, um, you know, I don't think that I'll ever fully untangle from her. 
Yeah. And I said, you know, that's a, that's problematic, mm. you know, cause he's still, there's some part of him who still wants to emotionally is still very intertwined with her years later. She's, she's married and has a kid with someone else, Oof. you know, yeah. and yeah. the thing that he needs more of is ritual to help mm. him really move through. I think he's moved through his grievances, but mm-hmm. to move more into his grief. Yes. Uh, do they have kids together? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. he's holding on to, you know, years later, he's still holding on pretty tight. Wow. Yeah. And that's, and then like, how does he get into new relationship? Anything new is going to be infused with that. And, and there's, there may not be toxicity in it, but there's sadness and there's grief. Right. And, and all of that, that he brings without like cutting that, exactly. cutting that cord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another way of referring to rituals, by the way, do you know mm-hmm. what a Karen is? Uh-huh. A-I-R-N. Okay. Yes. So imagine this in life, we all are journeying. I mean, we're, ta- we're all just walking and it's, you know, we don't, most of the time we have no idea where we're fucking going. Right. And, no yeah. And then, and then, and then, <laughs> um, and then sometimes we, we make a choice or a choice is made for us mm-hmm. and we turn, you know, mm-hmm. for let's say for 20 years, we're on the same path. And then suddenly we want a career change or suddenly we're not in love with this person anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're going to turn. Yeah. If we don't, the, the point of a Karen is to mark the turn. Yes especially for people coming behind you mm-hmm. so that they know where to turn. Yes. And the same thing is true for all of our, you know, all of our life transitions. We need to mark the places where we're turning. If we don't do that, we still think we're on the same path. That's so great. So just, just for the, for the audience who doesn't know what a Karen is, can you, can you define pot, it? Yeah. Karen is, I think it's an Irish term mm-hmm. and it's a pile of rocks. That's all it is. It's just like when you're out walking on a trail, it's, if you see a pile of rocks, someone marked that place where don't, it basically says, don't keep going on. Don't keep going ahead. Turn here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a sign. And they're often in those formations, right? They're actually the piles, right? They're oh. actually the balancing piles. Mm-hmm. And I read something recently, and I'm sure that there's a metaphor that we can that we can connect and create here um, together, Dave. But yeah. I read recently, you know how people just build them everywhere, right? And there was sort of this admonition to people to stop building them in random places because they're actually meant as these important guideposts for people. And then when we just sort of willy nilly build them because we think they're cool and we're trying to balance rocks, they're confusing people, they're confusing people and getting people lost. Right. Um, I'm sure we could, we could dig into that as a, as a metaphor for this, but the the real Karen metaphor is all about navigation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's about how do you walk in a direction, even though you don't know where you're going, how do you, how do you navigate where you're going? Yeah. You know, so there's a real conversation about, you know, certainty versus uncertainty. And especially with life transitions, that's the big fear is I don't know. I don't know what's to come. I don't know who I'm going to be. I don't know what's going to be come to my, what's going to happen to my kids. I don't know where I'm going to live, you know, as yeah. I mean, my best friend's going through divorce. Just as I told you, she just told her, her husband last week, you know, all of these uncertainties are up in her. I mean, thank God she's feeling resourced and actually she's feeling very empowered. Yeah. Good. Good. It is, but there's also enormous amount of uncertainty Mm -hmm. as she approaches this threshold. Can I, can I I just read you something? It's like coming to mind. Yes. I would love it. Is this from your book? It is. Yeah. Yay, good. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's about, um, it's about this uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I wrote, you know, I wrote endings are mysterious. They bring us humbly face to face with uncertainty. They remind us that was once so clearly in our grasp isn't anymore. And they ask of us whether or not we're ready to loosen our grip and let go to trust that we can do that may be one of the most challenging aspects of divorce because we honestly don't know what lies ahead when we do let go. 
We don't know the relationships that will survive, the places we'll live or the person will become. Instead, divorce simply asks us to cut the cord and trust that this leap of faith will have an outcome in service to a new, unknown, and necessary life. Yes. There's a lot of trust. Yes, there is a lot of trust. And, you know, as we talked about with the Karens, right, there are people who have walked these paths before you. Um, It's one of the reasons I call myself the Divorce Survival Guide, right? Like, I have been through this. I have walked this path, right? And I have set up all the Karens, (laughs) right? Um, and it's important. It's important to feel that sense of community and that you're, you're not alone. Everyone thinks that, you know, that there's, that their story is different, that their story is unique or that no one's ever done this before. And what I love is in my Facebook group, you've got 8,000 women telling stories to each other. And, and there are hundreds of people who get your story every single time. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, there's, there's so much relief in that, I think for women, um, for anyone. I used the word earlier, the word witness, Mm -hmm. which is how I see you. You know, you're really providing a lot of witnessing. There's a great play on the word, though, like, because the question is, well, what is your role as a witness? Why, For instance, when we get married, we have a lot of witnesses. Mm -hmm. They sign papers, right? They're like, yeah. Papers, it depends on your religion. In my religion, we have like ceremonial witnesses. Mm -hmm. They do different things. There's a lot of witnessing in the beginning of that fusion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as one of one of my interviewees said when I was talking about his divorce, he said, you know, when it came to the ending, it was me and my ex alone in a you know poorly lit office with a pen and this divorce papers. You know, he had no witnesses. Yeah, right. At the ending. And I think that's a cru- especially with ritual. That is a crucial skill to have is to be able to be witnessed in that ending. Mm. And to, for someone to, to, as I said before, to look you in the eyes and say, you're not alone. You know, I mm-hmm. like, this is happening and I'm not turning away from this, even if it's painful with you, you know, I'm with you. And there's a great play on the word, uh, an author, Bio Komalafe, who's an African author. He's, he calls it withnessing. Mm, I love I that. Love, that. Love, love that. Yes. Cause they are with you. They're with you. And they're not turning away even when you're wrecked, even when your heart's exploding, even when you're terrified, you know, to have someone be with you, even in the pain. I think that's such an important part of ritual. I love that. That's so beautiful. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor today. For over a decade, I've helped divorcing moms put their children at the center of all of their decisions. So whenever I hear about moms struggling to co-parent with an ex that abuses alcohol, I have one system in mind, Soberlink. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they're not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test, so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Checklist for High Conflict Divorces, visit Soberlink.com DSG. And now back to our show. I'm curious, you do what you call morning altars. This is what you're widely known for. Um, yeah, that's what I'm I'm known for. Yeah. This is what you're known for, the morning altar guy. And I got to say, at first I was like, what? And then I went and I looked on your website and I was looking at this stuff and it's like, just- I'm enchanted. <laughs> I'm like, I need to, I want to do, can I do that in the middle of LA? Can I, can I, like, I'm just like, yes, totally enchanted. Um. And so can let can you talk about that so that maybe maybe it's a segue into yep. sort of creating this for yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. So let's just set it up for your listeners. Mm-hmm. I basically create impermanent art out of nature. Cool. It's not just art though. Mm-hmm. They're devotional pieces. They're dedicated to something important. This practice came about 10 years ago 
when I was going, when basically, and this is so appropriate for this podcast. Great. Awesome. When I, I, in one year, my dad died mm. and I went through a divorce mm. and I was wrecked, mm-hmm. totally wrecked. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a marriage. It was like, we were domestic partners and divorce, uh-huh. but it was a divorce. And I was, I was completely just out of my mind, soaked in grief. You know, sure. it was a lot of loss in one year. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that was getting me out of my house at the time was my dog, mm-hmm. which was my dad's dog. I adopted her mm-hmm. and we go on these walks and along the way I'd find beautiful things just on the ground, you know, just some flowers or a feather or, you know, just leaves, beautiful leaves. And one morning we went to the top of this hill in the park. And I found these beautiful mushrooms growing under this tree. And I don't know what compelled me to do this at the time, but I sat down under that tree and I just started to rearrange the mushrooms and I mm. put in some leaves and some berries and an hour went by like it was a minute. <laughs> Something in front of me was beautiful and ordered. It was symmetrical. And I realized in retrospect, what was happening was because with grief, your whole entire mind and world is totally in disarray. Yeah. It's chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Just taking, spending an hour and, and literally ordering berries and leaves, just like the stakes are really low, right? Right. Leaves and berries. It's not a big deal, but I ordered them into something symmetrical and beautiful. I made little Mm -hmm. patterns out of it Mm -hmm. and I felt lighter. Yeah. My grief wasn't completely weighing on me. And so I challenged myself, could I come back to that same spot for 30 days and do something similar, not, you know, make different patterns and, you know, 30 days came and went and I didn't stop. And I started to share them with friends and I started to share them on social media. And then the whole thing just exploded. And what's happened now is, you know, there are tens of thousands of people all over the world for reasons beyond my understanding for, you know, their, the death of their grandparent or the birth of a child or, you know, their birthday or whatnot, people are making these pieces. They're going out to their parks or their backyards. They're making them for their reasons. And then they send them to me as like, you know, this point of inspiration and And being a witness. And being or, a witness and being, yeah, you yeah. being the witness. Absolutely. And also they're impermanent, which really is a, t- a huge teaching of this, pra- this ritual practice, which is that they're not meant to last. And so it really teaches people on attachment and how to just be in the moment by creating something and also how to let go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so right. anyway, this, this so is, beautiful. I've been devoted my life to this for seven plus years. I'm doing a hundred person teacher training right now, teaching people to bring this to prisons and to high schools and to memory care facilities. (gasps) Yes. You know, morning altars is a ritual. And so this book really is standing on the shoulders of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not just about making, you know, anything with nature. This book is, I'd say 90% of it, you could do inside your home. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really standing on the shoulders of we need more ritual in the world. We need more ways to make meaning because things are so insane right now. Mm-hmm. And ritual is a sane making endeavor. I love that because there's so much chaos in the world right now. I mean, yeah. so much chaos. We've got political chaos. We've got, you know, COVID. <laughs> COVID chaos. We've got, you know, I'm sitting here right now with my, my teenager walking back and forth in the house because he didn't feel safe going to school today. And I had to let him honor himself because that's what I do, right? That's what I, I want. And I, you know, we teach our kids to advocate for themselves and get, be in touch with themselves. And then, you know, when they express it, <laughs> like we got to listen to it. Right. And, but there is so much chaos yeah. and, this this making order out yeah. of that chaos feels maybe that's why when I was looking at your website and your Instagram earlier, I was so deeply soothed. <laughs> yeah, because we need more opportunities yeah. to to make order, mm-hmm. to do something that has a, a beginning, middle and end. Mm. I mean, that's the thing about ritual. They always have a beginning, a middle, and then they end. Mm-hmm. They're contained. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they essentially are little islands in time. 
They're like these little places where we can go and really look at the parts of our lives that we can't look at in our day-to-day lives. What we can when we're doing ritual, because they're, they're spaces that allow for things like grief and vision and uncertainty and emotion. And, you know, they make space for it all. Essentially, it's, you know, the real world is whole. Mm-hmm. There are places that, 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 are, that encourage wholeness. Yeah. Which yeah. allows it all, you know, even the broken parts of ourselves. Right. And when we're in the middle of a divorce or we're crossing over that threshold, as you say, we do feel so broken and so fractured. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine this, this from feeling so fractured to be putting the, these things in order as you're going through it could to be very healing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the two rituals in Hello Goodbye are one of them is inspired by, you know what hand fasting is? No. Hand fasting is a, it's a tradition of essentially when you get married to hold your wrists Ah. and hands together and Uh to literally bind them. That's right. Yes. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and to have purpose and intention in binding that. Mm -hmm. And one of the rituals is you know, you can have one witness or, you know, 10 witnesses, but then of course, this is for the couples that can do this. Many can't, mm-hmm. most can't, but some mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. And so one of the rituals is the unbinding and to be yeah. witnessed in unbinding. And every time there's an unbinding, there's a question in the book that is very relevant to, for each other to hear each other. Would you like to hear one of the questions? I would love to. If you would share that, I would yeah, love yeah, yeah. it. I'm, I'm happy to. So this is in the chapter on divorce. And this ritual is called the unbinding ritual. Uh-huh. <laughs> because I wrote it like a recipe, uh-huh. there's a whole you know, preparation, intentions, Yes. how to write an invitation to this kind of ritual. Oh, cool. Because yeah. that's needed, right? I mean, these things... They're not mainstream to do this. What's mainstream is to just have lawyers and be done with it. <laughs> That's and, right. That's right. So here are the questions. There's there's seven rounds. So essentially, okay. it's seven a couple seven times. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And the first round is to begin essentially beauty, you know, with courtesy. So the first question is, what can you praise about the person before you? It's great. I love that. Can you praise mm-hmm. about them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's an untying. So there's only six more left. Mm-hmm. The second one is a reflection on the relationship. Mm-hmm. How did you grow as a person? And what did you learn about yourself while together? Mm-hmm. And then there's another one. And I'll just read you one more. No, that's okay. Read them. I mean, yeah, it's, up to, it's up to you. Yes, I love it. I love it. I'm... So, so the third round is to take a hard look and claim your side of things. And the question is, what is mine in this dynamic? Mm-hmm. And what can I take responsibility for here? Mm-hmm. That's the third round. The fourth one is, is there anything you wish to hear from me? Oh, wow. Letting the other person, you know, respond. Oh, beautiful. The fifth round is basically to harvest the learnings of your time together. So the question is, what qualities am I bringing forward from this relationship into new relationships? Oh, I love it. I love it. Right. Because we're not the same person. They have fused, like we've bound with them. They are, they have, we have changed through and with them in our lives. And there are some, you know, qualities that there's big learning that happens in in any relationship. And especially the end of a relationship, there's big learnings we can take those learnings into new relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beautiful. I love that. So the last two are round six is letting the witnesses talk. So what are you seeing here? That's the sixth round because Uh sometimes it's too big for us to see on our own. We need another, a third person. Mm -hmm. And the seventh round is what's a blessing you can offer the other person for their journey ahead. And just letting it end sweetly and, you know, basically wishing that person well. And, you know, to me, this is a, oh, and then they burn, then you, then you must burn the cord. Oh, you burn the bindings. The, the bindings, yeah. Uh-huh. The thing that uh-huh. bound you together, uh-huh. uh, you, it's, it ends with the burning of that. And then, you know, I always really encourage every ritual in this book to end sweetly. So there's, you know, an encouragement for chocolate and, and, oh. and, you know, just it's sometimes these are these break our hearts open and we need to 
we need a balm at the yes, end. Yes, we do. I love it. I love yeah. that so much. I wish we, I wish yeah. I had that. I mean, honestly, you know, I got divorced 13 years ago, so it's been, you know, uh, I, we were not talking as openly certainly about any of this stuff, but I just, it's so beautiful. So what do you do? So what kind of rituals can you do? I mean, that's obviously a, a sort of a public, a, a togetherness, right? Mm-hmm. What about for people who, for whom this is a solitary experience? Yeah. I mean, maybe well, they I, have a friend or a witness, but they're not doing this with, with their ex. I want to say one thing before I, t- cause I have a ritual called the surrendering ritual. It's for soul. It's for individuals. It's not mm-hmm. for all, but yeah. I, I want to say something. I put it in a variety of times in this chapter. And I think it's, I, I, I also had some friends who have been divorced who were like, you better put what I'm about to say in this chapter. Interesting. I said, okay. okay. <laughs> and they said, um, make sure your readers know that there, that there is a right and a wrong time to do ritual. Such, such a great point. Yeah. So what you do have you- to ask yourself, is this the right time for this? Because sometimes if you're just, if there's so much rage or there's so oh, much no. un- upset or there's, you know, it's like, if you're in the heat of it, it's not the right time. That's right. That's right. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I don't even, <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't really allow, but I mean, I don't have control over it, but when I work with my clients, one, one of my biggest things is you don't want to do anything, anything exactly. about your divorce while you're in the heat of it. Exactly. You, you make this decision, you communicate your decision and then you let the dust settle because exactly you you know besides the fact that you know but you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your life in the middle of all of this emotional upheaval that's terrible but also it's you're not in your right mind no they don't let you write wills when you're not in your right mind they don't let you sign prenups 2 weeks before you know or like the day before your wedding because yeah. you're not in a you know in a calm neutral state yeah and so i i would Kim, I was thinking about as you were as you were reading the questions for the unbinding, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that, that if there's any heat left, exactly, this could go very sideways. Yeah, right? And that's why it's a very important question to consistently ask yourself, is this the right time? Yeah. You know, and and very often if people ask me, you know, is this the right, you know, where there's still some heat between me and my ex, is this the right time? And I'd say, skip to the individual ritual. If you're questioning it, it's not. Mm-hmm. Skip right. to the individual ritual. It's important to do ritual, but it, maybe it's not the right time to do it with your ex. Even if you think you're capable of it, you know, if you're questioning it, maybe it's the not not the right time. Yeah, because I can imagine that if you were, if you thought of it or you heard of it, and you were like, "Oh my god, this would be so great for us to do," that's probably a great time. But if you're like, "Oh, I don't know." then maybe not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So in that individual ritual, you know, it's called the surrendering ritual. And, you know, the thing about rituals that they, they, they need to be done. Hmm. All rituals can't be thought they need to be done. So it's a physical act. It yes. has to. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And I, in the book, I call it symbolic action. Okay. So yeah, you're burning, really submerging, or burying, or breaking, or tying, or untying. They're actions mm. that are symbolic. Mm-hmm. They represent, like for instance, that that unbinding that yes. I spoke about. Yeah, that's an action. You're you're physically doing it, but yeah. it carries deep symbolism. Mm-hmm. Deep deep symbolism. So in this individual um, ritual, it's helping people move through grievances into grief and forgiveness. That's the point of the ritual. And so it employs different elements to do that. So it Mm -hmm. starts off with fire Mm. and then it goes into earth Mm -hmm. and then it ends with water. Okay. And it's basically taking the, some of the, the meaningful elements from your relationship the love letters or the ring or, you know, a photograph or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it's some things are to be burned. Some things are to be buried. Mm. Some things are to be essentially released in water. Mm. And those in the, in the ritual, they all three have a different purpose. The fire of course is to deal with grievance and anger and upset, you know, to really acknowledge that that's, 
that that's meaningful. Your upset and your anger has served you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's yeah. To, it's to acknowledge that, you know, to acknowledge your, your grievance, your anger, your rage, or you're wrong. You're wrong. In the you know, feeling of being wronged. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and giving voice to those feelings and letting them move through you. Mm-hmm. So by the end of this ritual, it's really about releasing, you know, like yes. physical, physical objects, releasing physical objects. So you can see in front of you manifest the thing you've been going through emotionally mm. and see the ending in front of you physically. Mm-hmm. Our right. psyches need that. We right. need physical, tangible reminders that this is buried or this is burned up or this is submerged. We need mm-hmm. to see it in order for our psyches to really grok what's happening. Hmm. You've talked a lot about moving from grievances into grief. And I'm wondering if you can t- speak to that just a little bit more about what you mean by that and how that works and manifests in the in the self. you mind if I do a little reading? I would love to <laughs> <laughs> I speak about it. So why you're not? like, I wrote a chapter on this. So <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Too often chords remain unsevered. I'm starting in in middle in the middle. So like sure. there's paragraphs before. Okay. Too often chords remain unsevered and they sound a lot like grievances. I don't deserve this. This is unfair. Or I've been wronged are common outrages that refuse to end. These remain after the heat of a divorce because our modern culture barely provides any resources or skills to express and transform our grievances aside from through lawyers. Mm -hmm. Without doing anything to our grievances, they remain stuck and we stay justified in the story of how we've been wronged. Sadly, our grievances become the relationship's bitter lifeline, the cords we're left holding long after the relationship's over. And maintaining them is what prevents us from fully putting the relationship down. Where grievances are the festering wounds of affliction, grief is a skill that asks you to get good at loving what you are losing. Mm. Despite all of your best attempts, despite how you want things to be, it is enormously challenging to practice grief in a grief phobic culture that translates divorce as you failed me. Instead of grief, we masquerade in anger, blame, judgment, and victimization. Some go kicking and screaming through a divorce, being forced into it rather than choosing and understanding it as a part of the way things are. The belief of a grief illiterate culture such as ours is that endings are not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. They are wrong. And therefore, when we're in an ending such as a divorce, it can easily become, I am wrong. Mm-hmm. Yet endings are not wrong. They are as much a part of life as our beginnings. My teacher, Stephen Jenkinson, so beautifully and profoundly speaks of grieving endings as a love affair in reverse, <laughs> understanding that loss and love are two wings of the same bird. Oh, so gorgeous. It is it's gorgeous and, we, and heartbreaking and very human. Yeah. And it is so heartbreaking that we do live in this, as you said, I love it, grief illiterate culture, right? That that makes these endings, they're they're wrong, but they're also, or we just ignore them, right? They didn't really happen. So like whistle past the graveyard, just keep going. Don't talk about it. Don't take this time and space to ritualize it and be in it, you know, because we always talk about like the only way through is through, right? Well, well, let's be present. Let's not like, you know, run through the threshold, through the doorway with our hands over our ears and like pretending it's not happening. Like, let's be present to this. Because endings are valuable. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah. It's it's like the better you can end something, the better you can begin it. That's right. That's right. They're connected. Well, and also it doesn't end. If you're rushing through. Right. And it you're can- not. Exactly. You're not ending anything. That's what I was saying about grievances in the Mm -hmm. writing. You know, we don't tend to our grievances and transform them into grief. Then we're still holding on. The anger is the, the, the relationship still alive. It's just in the form of anger. You know, it's the grief that lets us finally put it down. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying, you know, like I have friends who have gotten divorced where it's, it's also celebratory. Mm-hmm. 
it's not just grief. It's also, there's a lot of joy in that too, but there's, but all change, all change is bitter sweet. Yeah. You know, it has both capacities change Mm -hmm. and there's parts that are really hard and there are parts that are really amazing and, and enjoyable and, you know, giving, that's why I said the word whole before, Mm -hmm. you know, providing Mm -hmm. a space that can allow all of that, the blessings and the pain, the beauty and the grief, you know, all the whole thing. I love it. So what's your hope sort of, you know, when this book comes out into the world, January 25th, right? And everyone's going to buy it. Who's listening to this right now? That's my hope. Promise, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 my hope. That's my hope is everyone buys this fucking book. You know, now that, you know, if everyone buys it and they consume it, and I love the idea of having this on your shelf as a recipe book, like that's just so genius. What's your hope for the impact that that will have on us? The, the hope is that we can, in some ways, remember our humanity. <laughs> That's the hope. I mean, I really feel like we're losing our humanity these days. We're more isolated. We're more distracted. We're more angry. We're more polarized, you know? And I mean, even sitting on a plane recently, it was like the tension was so intense yeah. and people we're unwilling to talk to each other or be kind to each other, you know? And to me, ritual is, and unfortunately it's been co-opted by religion, but ritual predates religion. Oh, speak it, to that a little bit. Speak to that. Cause I know we have some, um, a lot of listeners who are either religious or sort of struggling in a religious context and no. may have their hackles up a little bit about like sort of contraction between these, those two. So the reason I use the word recipe, the best metaphor I could find for ritual is food, is mm-hmm. cooking or baking. Yeah. And, and food, any recipe that you have comes from somewhere, right? There, it, I mean, for instance, in the book, I wrote about my mom's mandel bread recipe. Mm. You know, her mother passed it on to her. Her mother got it from her, her mother. It came all the way from Europe. Who knows before then it could have come all the way from... I don't know, like maybe hundreds of years through our Mm -hmm. family line. So there's a Mm -hmm. traditional quality to that recipe. However, you know, when I make it, I'm updating it. Mm -hmm. I'm being creative with it. It's me. That's who I am. I'm very creative. So I see ritual having the same capacity, which is that they come from someplace or they can, they can be passed on or passed along. And also they can be reinvented and created and our imaginations can make them up. You know, it's really like the difference between something being sacred and something being mundane Mm -hmm. is our capacity to make it sacred. That's it. We can do, we can, you know, I could take a glass and break it and that can mean nothing or that can mean everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just about what we determine it to be. And that's, I think the power of ritual is that, you know, like you can, you know, not take a rope, cut it into many pieces and that can mean nothing, or it could symbolize the pain that you're in, in your relationship and, you know, tying it back together can symbolize the ways that you're coming back together. And that's really about intention, right? Really setting the intention for, for such a thing to exist in the embodiment of that. Exactly. It's Mm -hmm. intention. I think it's intention mixed with quite a bit of creativity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and quite a, and a, and you know, there's a a quote I'm thinking of from this ethnographer. Um, He wrote a lot about ritual named Arnold Van Genep. And he has an expression called to pivot towards the sacred, Mm. to pivot right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To turn our bodies towards what we think is sacred or meaningful or holy or whatever word works for you, but to, to actually turn towards the things that mean something to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in today's day and age, we have a meaning making crisis, you know, you meant two little things mean to, we have such little meaning we're grasping. Um, so I'm on a mission to help people make more meaning, especially with these moments like divorce. Mm-hmm. That is a meaningful, meaningful, life-changing threshold. It can mean a lot. You can change from it. 
you you must change from it. Actually, you must. You must. You must change from it and heal through it. And you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. That's and right. You don't have to be unresourced in it. Mm-hmm. You can you can find resources. You can find ways to do it that let you feel anchored, that let you feel accepted, that allow you to feel tethered and connected and reflective. You know, there's ways to do this. And um, anyway, I'm that's what my greatest wish is to circle back to your question. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Amen. I mean, I'm I think it's beautiful. I think it's it's incredible. Your work is beautiful. So where can everybody find you? Where can where can everyone buy the book? Yeah, you can find me either at dayshulkret.com, which is if you can spell it, go there. <laughs> <laughs> and my other website is morning altars, and that's altars with an A.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you love beauty and you like meaning. Um, I have a very, uh, I have an Instagram thread that I'm very proud of. I put a lot of energy and a lot of time into that. It's gorgeous. Um, it's you. gorgeous, you guys. It's not just gorgeous. It's it's very, it is mesmerizing. It's like, yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm, you know, it's it's really hard these days to put something in the world with your whole heart. It really is. I think we're just all swimming in so much content and, and such, you know, shallowness and mm-hmm. I'm just giving my heart to this, to this whole thing. And so um, anyway, that's my Instagram and websites. And then this book, you can get it if you're an Amazon person or Barnes and Noble people or your local bookstore or on my website, I'm selling the book too. Um, But I am, this has been a three-year journey. I have been, I've gone through hell and back while writing this book because I wrote it during a pandemic. Mm. And, you know, I've had enormous loss during writing this book. And the fact that this book is still being born to me means something that even in the midst of a lot of change in my own personal life, um, the health of my mother, the health of my grandmother, the health of my relationships, you know, all of that, this book is coming through. And my greatest wish is that it's a resource for people right now who feel like they need it. I love it. And all of the links will be in the show notes. Highly recommend. I know I'm going to be getting myself a copy for sure. Uh, Day, thank you so much for for coming on and for sharing this. I think it's um, I think it's really going to be transformational for people. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.